Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where each week and every week we crack open a beer and dissect its innards to find out what it is. Yes, and this week we are cutting to the creamy center of all the florally fruity flavors in beer and looking at hops. Hops indeed, one of the three important ingredients. Like Like the three only ingredients, really. Yeah, pretty much. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Let's hop to it. So we have, uh, we, well, hops are kind of like grapes. They affect the flavor of the beer so, so much that you have, if you have everything else identical and just put different hops in, it w- it could be a, a very different beer. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it was originally used just for adding... Uh, bitterness and uh, some variation to the flavor but of course it was discovered that yeah you can get floral and fruity and citrusy flavors depending on which type of the plant you use because it is a plant hops are in fact the flowers of the hop plant called humulus lupulus and uh, there's so so many different varieties and we'll get into that later but, well, um, but but first, we should probably note that it wasn't even until the 13th century that hops even appeared in beer. That's right. Originally, they got that sort of floral, fruity bitterness that we now see coming from the hops from Gruet. It may also be pronounced Groot, but I, I refuse to call it Groot. <laughs> <laughs> we are not Groot. No. So probably is... from Gruet, which was a mix of uh, bitter herbs and flowers. Mm. And Gruet was actually used for quite some time. And there was even a period during which brewers kind of swapped back and forth between the two, just based on which one was encountering less tax at the time. Mm. The, the English alehouses were famous for that. But uh, yeah, by the end of the 15th century, hops had largely replaced Gruet, but there were still some Gruet beers being brewed in Westphalia up to the 17th century. Mm. That that blows my mind because like tea as well, like it's so ingrained, hops are so ingrained in beer culture that it's hard to think of beer without hops. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's only been a couple of hundred years. But tea is so ingrained in English society, you'd think it's been around for thousands. That is true. Well, that's what the um, the British culture would like you to think. Yeah. Well, but, um, and it, it's interesting that the, the first documented cultivation of hops was in the year 736 in the Hallertau region of what is now Germany. And uh, while the Germans were some of the first to use hops, and the first documented use of it in beer occurred in the ninth century, yeah, it took a long ass time for them to actually switch to it entirely. Mm. Of course, 
hops are like everything else that's suddenly becoming popular. People were importing people were importing hops from Holland and uh, Holland and France, and the quality gradually got lower and lower until the early sixteenth sorry early seventeenth century, where King James approved an act of Parliament banning the practice by which the subjects of this realm have been of late years abused to the value of £20,000 yearly, besides the danger of the healths, of their healths. Basically meaning hops had been adulterated. It had, it had been cut with sand and twigs and leaves and other crap, basically. And people were coming becoming ill from it from trying to use these adulterated hops. Yeah, and uh, so naturally Britain began growing their own. I mean, as you do. But yes, I can't find exactly when either, but they did. They don't grow a lot. Mm. Well, they were importing hops into Ireland because they Ireland refused to grow them themselves. Yeah, and uh, I mean, even as late as uh, 2017... England was only growing 1,400 tonnes of hops a year. Which is not that much. It's not that much, but it's probably enough to make all of the beers their local breweries would make that needed that variety of hops. True. Because like grapes, hops change flavour as you move around the world. And of course, you've got different strains as well. Yeah, that said though, like grapes, I suppose, it uh, prefers certain climates... Like grapes, though, it it prefers certain climates to grow in, and it prefers a moist, temperate climate, which is why the majority of places where it is grown are on or near the 48th north parallel. 48 degrees north. Yep, 48 degrees north. And uh, for those who are curious, that line, the 48 degrees north of the equator, runs (laughs) through... Yeah, runs through the countries of France, Germany, Austria, Hungary, Slovakia, Ukraine, Romania, Moldova, Russia, Kazakhstan, China, Mongolia, the United States, and Canada. Hmm. That's a lot of countries for one particular line. Yeah. And most of them, I say most of them because not all of them, but most of them grow it. But there are countries that are also not on the 48th North Parallel that grow it. Well, like New Zealand, Spain, and Australia. And Australia, yeah. And um, Argentina, Mm. which produces easily the lowest amount of hops of anybody. On the the top 10 list. On the top 10 list, yes, at 200 tonnes a year. Sorry, they're they're 11th on the top 10 list. Mm. Yes, 11th (laughs) on the top 10 list, producing 200 tonnes a year, which isn't a lot. Yeah. Well, but in, compa- gotta, in comparison, Australia produces 1,200 tonnes a year. Yes, but in comparison, the USA produces 44,324 tonnes a year. Okay, fine, you win. <laughs> mm. yeah, them and Germany are the largest producers. Germany still, I mean, they, they were where it came from. I guess it makes sense that they're still mm. pretty heavy on it. 39,000 tonnes a year. Yeah, and no one makes beer like the Germans. Yeah, nobody makes beer like the Germans. Mm. Except for the Belgians. Ooh. So, 
on that note, we should probably talk about what we're drinking because we this week we decided to drink beer like you'd expect, but we picked uh, three different beers, three different beers of the same style to same style, but we picked three different beers because they will have three different sets of hops in them. Yeah, because they have three very different flavor profiles. Mm, I hope. I haven't had this particular mm. beer before. Well, certainly this one is very different to the first one that we had mm. in flavor profile. The We began on the Cooper's original pale ale, which actually tastes more like a lager than a pale ale. Yeah, if you like lagers, you like the Cooper's pale. Yeah. yeah similar, similar scents, similar flavors. And in front of us now, we have the Three Bolt Pale Ale from Green Beacon, which is one of our favorite craft breweries in Brisbane. Yes, we've uh, had several of their others before. Mm, so good. This is our first time having. I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm pretty sure we've had this one before. I just don't remember what it tastes like. It has been that long. Yeah, it's it, been it over has, a year. It has been a while. Mm. Since we talked about the tour. Yeah. Anyway, let's taste it. See how it goes. Well, let's smell it. Remembering that the smell also, in some regard, comes from the hops. Yes. Well, yeah. Oh, this smells so fruity. It's like like mango. Mango, peach, something else. What does it say on the can? Yeah, there's something I can't put my finger on. It's a very familiar smell, but I can't pick it. But yeah, this beer tastes very, very fruity compared to the lager-like beer of the Cooper's Pale. And we, the, the reason of that is the different concentration of hops. Cooper's would probably... We're only guessing because, of course, these... Uh, brewers don't put their recipes online. So I, I'm hazarding a guess that Coopers have made their pale ale more like a lager because that's where the majority of the Australian market is. Yeah, because something that hasn't changed is that lager is still the most consumed beer in the world. So the uh, pale... the Green Beacon Three Bolt Pale Ale has uh, notes of passion fruit, mango, and hints of malt sweetness. So there, there is our flavor profile. We actually have we found a big list of hops and uh, a description of e- of the different flavors of each variety. And I was reading through this list this morning, and I discovered I found some malts that perfectly describe some of the beers that I've had before, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, no, it is uh, very interesting, and we shall definitely go through that list a little later on, I think. Hmm. So, we, we've talked about a lot about what where hops have come from and why we drink, the, why we have them in beer today. But what are they? Like, what are they exactly? Well, exactly. I mean, it is, as we briefly mentioned at the start of the episode, it is a plant. And it is, in fact, the flower of the plant is 
the hops. Mm. And not just the flower of the plant. It's all the oils and uh, pollen and, I mean, like amino acids and whatnot that are part of the flower itself. Yeah, and it is picked before it can bloom, when it still looks kind of like a corn cob almost. Yeah, a little bit like a bud. Yeah. Well, it, is a, it is a bud still. Yeah, and the, the hops plant itself is actually a uh, climbing plant. and yeah, over it's the a creeper. Mm, and over the years through production, they've trained it to grow up trellises that uh, then support the plant. And that extra support for the plant allows it to grow larger and produce more flowers than it would if it had to put that energy into making itself stronger enough in if it had to put that energy into making itself strong enough to support its own weight. Mm. So they've managed to increase production just by using trellises, which is very clever. Yeah. Well, now it grows like grape, like a grapevine. It does. It grows like a grapevine. And it's planted similarly as well. They plant them in rows about two, two and a half meters apart. And uh, the flowers grow high on the vine, right towards the top of the trellis and were traditionally picked by hand. But the uh, harvesting was mechanized and made more efficient so that they could you know, pick more of it more quickly. When Emil Clemens Horst invented the mechanical hops separator in 1909, a device that they sort of run down the line that spins things along and knocks the buds off. There you go. Now, the other thing to note is that they the growers only use the female uh, branch of the plant, or they develop male hop plants and female hop plants, but they only use the female ones to grow the flowers because male ones don't. Hmm. And they don't want their plants germinating no because seeds make for bad beer yeah exactly so they they want to make sure that nothing happens and on occasion one of the plants actually develops both male and female flowers and they just have to get rid of it Mm. which i mean it, it is what it is yeah now hop cones which is what they call the little buds uh they contain different oils such as lupulin a yellowish waxy substance, an oleoresin, oleoresin that imparts flavor and aroma to the beer. Lupulin contains lupuline and humuline. Humulo, humulone. Humulone. I have no idea how to pronounce any of these. Uh, they prese- possess antibiotic properties which suppress bacterial growth, favoring the yeasts, favoring the brewer's yeasts, and uh, basically, uh, what's the word? Favoring the brewer's yeasts, but inhibiting the growth of other strains. And they are one of the reasons why hops eventually took the place of gruet, because mm. they just make the beer better and safer. Yeah, the the beer lasted longer without the use of preservatives, so they started using more of it. Uh, to the point where 
you know, they started shipping it with extra hops all the way from from England all the way to India. Yeah, and I suppose uh, this is probably as good a time as any to mention that before it was used in beer, hops was, and still is, used medicinally. Yeah, good point. There's a, a WebMD article on it, believe it or not, which uh, describes hops as the dried flowering plant dried flowering part of the hop plant, commonly used in brewing beer and as a flavoring component in foods. Hops are also used to make medicine. Hops are commonly used orally for anxiety, sleep disorders such as the inability to sleep, insomnia, or disturbed sleep due to rotating or nighttime work hours, restlessness, tension, excitability, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, Nervousness, irritability, uh, the list goes on. Mm. And funnily enough, I think hops in beer helps some of those things too. Mm. Like, uh, uh, certainly if you have have a beer or two, it, it does help with stress. Well, it says, yeah, that's probably the alcohol talking though. Um, but the, the article states that it's actually not that good for insomnia. The results... Like, there has been some sleep studies using hops, but the research is very mixed and no uh, compelling evidence either way to suggest that hops by itself helps with insomnia. So it's one of those traditional medicines that if you believe it, it might work. Mm. Does it actually or is it a placebo effect? Who knows? Who cares? Well, the medical society, obviously, they care. They care. But... But we care more about its flavor potentials in beer. In beer, yes. And the fantastic things that it's done mm. for beer and... By beer. <laughs> but, for beer, by beer, with beer. Yeah, and <laughs> just to tie this all neatly back into where we segued across to this and to allow beer to be shipped from England to India in the form of Indian Pale Ale so it could be consumed by British expats. Mm. Yeah, they doubled and tripled the hops for for the trip. And as you know, if you listen to our IPA episode, the beer was actually nicer due yeah. to the aging and the hops. It was super hoppy and still is. And super boozy too. Mm. And now you get like double IPAs, triple IPAs. Quintuple IPAs. Yeah, we had one of those once. That was bad. That was. That yeah. was dreadful. Too much. It was too much. <laughs> too many eyes. Yeah, they didn't stop to think about whether they should, only if they could. Yeah. I think that was the whole point of it, whether they yeah. could or not. Oh, man. The hops have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Like, if you wanted to buy hops for your own home brewing stuff, it's pretty cheap. It's... From the website that I saw, it's uh, about 8 or $9 Australian per 100 grams. And uh, when you buy it, it comes in pellet form. Mm, so, like, compressed dry. into these little dried-out pellets that you can just toss into your brew mm. or eat yourself. I do recall eating a hops pellet. So, now that we're talking about hops usage, we need to talk about wet hopping versus dry hopping. Or wet hops versus dry hops. Because wet hopping is, uh, you know, using what you'd expect. It's fresh hops, 
fresh and full of moisture. And dry hopping has, surprisingly, it's not, it doesn't have to do with the state that the hops are in because most of the time hops are used as dried pellets. Yeah, it's more about the point in the process when the hops are added. Mm. When a beer is dry hopped, it's the the beers are added, the hops are added late in the process when in the fermenter when the beer is already cold, when it's when it would be typically ready for just fermenting once they've cooled it down. Yeah, which undoubtedly would make a very big difference in how hoppy it would end up being. Hmm. I suppose, yeah, because if you're adding it with the hot wort, it would be, you would, the hot mixture would allow the hops to release more of their flavor and oils. Yeah, exactly. So you would still get some of the hop flavors in dry hopping, but less. Yeah, like the difference when, but like the difference between making a cup of tea from hot, hot water versus tea with cold water. Yeah, and I guess at that point as well, how long you leave it would make a difference. Because the, the hops aren't necessarily going to just dissolve in there. No, but they're still part of the wort. Oh, yeah, because the when it goes into the fermenter, the hops are filtered out. Yeah, but if they're adding the hops in the fermenter... Then they're not filtered out. Then they're not filtered out. Mm. Unless they filter it again. Which they may. We have no idea. Yeah. We're not craft brewers yet. We could be. Maybe we are. If you're listening to this in five years, we might be craft brewers now. Who knows? Check back in on us in five years. No one knows why the term of adding term dry dry hopping is used for adding the hops late in the process. Like it's just one of those things. Hmm. Well, as I recall from when they add things early in the process with the wort and all the heat, it's hot. There's a lot of moisture literally coming off it. That's called steam, my friend. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But that could be why later when there is no steam coming off it, they call it dry Dry. hops. Because they don't sweat. Yeah. Hmm. Could be. That could be. That's a wild theory. It could come from anything. Brewers are a mysterious folk. They, they are. They're fantastic to talk to about mm. beer, though. Yeah, they're very knowledgeable. Mm. And they, the craft brewers love their stuff. You can, yes. re, you can really tell. Oh, yeah, they'll... They'll talk to you for hours. Yep. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, it really is. I would happily talk to a craft brewer for hours about their beer. Yes, so we can't end this episode without talking about IBUs. The way in which they measure the bitterness of beer as it is affected by the chemical compounds found in hops. Because mm. you've got the... One of the main components in hops is the alpha acids. They are found in the yellow sticky lupulin glands in the flower. So these... Like, this is the chemical that's... Uh, that's responsible for for the bitterness. If you... Oh, that'd be why they dry hop a beer. Cause it, um, because if you want 
the bitterness to be released, it, the hops must be boiled. Oh, of course, because so that way you can get all of the fruitiness without without the bitterness. The bitterness. There I suppose go. that's how you end up with a tropical ale. Yeah, dry hopped. Yeah. Huh. Like I, I knew all this information, but I only literally just put those two and put two and two together. There you go. The longer hops, the longer the hops are boiled, the more bitter compounds that will be. The longer the hops are boiled, the long, the more bitter compounds will be extracted. So, yeah, as we threatened earlier, we found a very large list of hops. And uh, one of the ones that I want to mention right off the bat are Galaxy Hops because they were developed in Australia. They are highly sought after for their intensely aromatic characteristics. Bred from an Aussie high alpha female and a pearl male, the result is a wonderfully bright citrus forward flavor and aroma. It has a slightly higher alpha acid range between 13 and 15%, but is the most com- but the most common use is as a late addition or in dry hopping, which tends to lead the which lends to the fullest pungent citrus and tropical passion fruit flavors to a brew. And uh, I think we should also talk about Ella hops, which uh, is another Australian breed of hop that was bred from a mix of spalt and triploid hops and is a sister to the Galaxy Hop, hmm. which is why we really need to mention it right now. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was first commercially released around 2007, and uh, the Ella Hops are best known for their high oil levels and varied character that they offer to your brew at different stages and amounts. Ella can give off a very spicy, earthy, almost anise-like aroma in a boil and provides a bright tropical fruit and citrus scent when it's dry hopped. And these aromatic qualities work best in styles like lagers, pilsners, and IPAs, which are all very popular in Australia. Mm. And uh, a high alpha acid range of 13% to 16% is overshadowed by the very oily composition of the Ella hops, letting the plethora of aromas go to work, which means that the bitterness never overpowers the fruitiness because it's so oily. Which, which would be fantastic in a double or triple IPA. Because those tend to be like thick, meaty beers at that strength. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, if you can't find these two hops in your local uh, brewer's supply store, Citra Hops is a very good substitute for it. Which uh, It was initially bred from four different hops, including East Kent Golding and US Ten- Tetnang, and released in 2007. It provides high levels of both alpha acids and oils. These characteristics lend citra hops to both bittering and aromatic uses. The most commonly found in most commonly found in styles like IPAs and pale ales. Yeah, these like the list has nearly a hundred hops on it, and I'm yeah. sure there is more than is on the on this list. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of different strains because people crossbreed them to try and get something out of it. Like uh, target hops are a good one for people who don't want something to end up being too bitter. 
They're a second-generation selection from Northern Brewer and Eastwold Goldings, released from Y College in 1972. So Target Hops is an old-school hops. Mm. And uh, with a fairly high alpha acid content and intense aroma, Target Hops are a true dual-purpose brewing hop. As an aromatic addition, they provide an intense bouquet of sage, floral, spice, and citrus that enhances English-style ales and lagers, but it can also be used for bittering and generally has an alpha acid range of 8 to 13%. So it's not going to end up being too bitter compared to some of the others like Galaxy Hops. It hits like 16%. Mm. So we mention all of these because the alpha acids control the bitterness. So you have strong, bold hops. You have a strong, bold, bitter, bitter beer. But what's really interesting, like what I found really interesting, is that the uh, bitterness and hoppy flavors, or the bitterness is, uh, it it go it's on the same level as flavors, especially like a a, a bright, refreshing pale ale may have maybe more technically more bitter and have more hops in it than an IPA but because of the style the bitterness comes more forward on that IPA and therefore has a higher IBU well the oh, sorry lower IBU because the the Maybe. IBU no has nothing to do with how bitter the drink actually tastes yeah it's just how the IBU is about how much acid is in there yeah but depending on when they hopped it and what style it was made in and what sort of malts they used, it could have a very high IBU but not be particularly bitter. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry. <laughs> uh, since breaking my collarbone, I have not drunk much. And every time I drink now, it just goes straight to my head. Uh, I've had one and a half beers and I'm struggling to focus. Sorry, guys. Um, but on that note, we should probably... Call it a day. Call it an episode. Yes, that's basically all you need to know about hops for, you know, a start. Yeah. And if you want to know more about hops, visit your local library. There's uh, probably not any books about it, but you can use their Wi-Fi while you look it up on your phone. (laughs) That's very true. Or visit your local craft brewer and ask them about the hops they use. Because they love talking about the stuff they do hmm. because hops are the heart and soul of the brew well possibly the heart malt might be the soul malt might be the soul the, the soul is not the brewer himself the brewer is god could be could be um but hmm. on that note they do create the brew that is true so if you liked what you heard guys if you enjoyed our ramblings please be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We'd love you to listen to more of our ramblings. You can find us on your favorite podcast app as A Good Drop All About Alcohol. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are also on the socials, Facebook and occasionally Instagram as A Good Drop Podcast. And we've If you want to check out our library of previous episodes, you can jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. 
And if you've got any comments, questions, uh, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And if you are a craft brewer and would like to be on our show, do email us. Mm. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, what are we listening to next week? So next week, we will be talking about beginnings. We're back to the beginning things, talking beginner whiskey. Hmm. Whiskey is very popular for beginners. So we need to talk. We thought it was worth talking about why, how, and suggestions for how to find a good whiskey to start on. Yeah, something to develop that taste. Hmm. It's a complicated field. It is. And a lot of snobbery. Don't do it. <laughs> so until then, cheers. Cheers.